Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Scott Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. And if you want to learn to protect your assets, save on taxes, and network better, you should listen to this episode of the Build Your Network Podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Network Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to introduce you to Scott Smith. Scott is a real estate investor and an asset protection attorney out in Austin, Texas. This is one of those episodes where there's a, just a ton of value, like real content and value. And the topic always sounds so boring. It's like, oh man, asset protection, asset protection attorney and, and taxes and all that kind of stuff. But this is the kind of stuff that's going to save you money in your business. It's going to save you money in the future. 100%. I promise you, if you're ever planning on building any sort of wealth in your life, which I believe would be just about everybody listening to this show, this is going to be an episode you're going to want to tune into. Me and Scott had a great conversation. We talk a lot about different tax strategies that can help you save money. We talk about how to properly protect your assets from lawsuits and different things like that. And then we also, of course, talk about how to network better. And we have a little bit of a frank conversation with that towards the end of the interview. So it was a fantastic time talking with Scott, and I can't wait to share that with you. But first, if you are interested in masterminds in the least, if some, this is something that has ever piqued your interest, then head on over to freemmcourse.com. I put together a free mastermind course because one of the most common questions that I get is, Travis, what is a mastermind? You talk about masterminds all the time. What, like, what are they? What exactly do you do? How much is it? Where do I find them? All that kind of stuff I cover over at the free mastermind course. So go check that out at freemmcourse.com. And now without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Scott Smith. Scott, thanks so much for hopping on the show today, brother. Super stoked to have you. Yeah, awesome, Travis. I'm excited to be here and uh, be able to share some strategy with you guys about how you know to really maximize your protections as an investor and, and uh, entrepreneur, as well as you know, great tax saving tips. And I can't wait, man. So I'm an open book. Anything you want to know, bro, just uh, shoot it out, and I'm happy to answer for you. Perfect, perfect. And I know for those of you listening, that taxes typically is a topic that you want to stay away from. But trust me, this is going to be some uh, really good content on how you can save some money 
when you pay taxes. So if that does not uh, perk your ears up, I don't know what will. So we'll definitely get into that conversation. Scott, I want to kind of talk about how you got into all of this. Tell me about that journey. What did it look like? Like, is this something that you just had a passion for from the beginning, just saving money on taxes? Or how did that transition into becoming a big part of your life? God, no, man. I don't know anybody that's born with a desire to save money on taxes. What? I don't think that's a thing. You know, no, what really what happens is, is that you start getting into like being an entrepreneur and you become an investor and then it becomes like a necessary piece where like you can, you get your strategies down about how are you going to do your investing, right? And then you learn about how am I going to do all the parts that are associated with that, including like your, you know, asset holding companies and all that good stuff, right? And then eventually it comes down to the point of saying like, wait, there's another part of this equation that's apart from the deal itself, which is how much does the government take? Mm. Um, and that's where like tax savings becomes huge, right? Like a lot of people don't know that you can take up to $55,000 a year from your non-W2 income and channel that into your own solo 401k and then shelter all that money while loaning yourself back half of it and using the other half to invest, right? Just simple structures that apply across the board that everybody that has their test of 1099 income can exploit and really come out making out like a bandit with uh, how much you're saving from the government. Yeah. So before we get into your story specifically, since you brought that topic up just now of the 401k, can you expound on that a little bit for people that were just like, whoa, 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 what did he just say? Can I rewind that? How did, what did, can, yeah. Can you give a little bit more of an explanation behind what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So these strategies come from me being an investor for over eight years, an attorney for over five. I specialize um, with entrepreneurs and real estate investors on how to structure your companies. So that way you can protect all of your wealth and shield yourself from liability. And part of that comes into saying, how do we do this so we can operate efficiently? And can we maximize on tax savings with just some simple structures that apply to everybody, which has made my company, Royal Legal Solutions, really blow up here in the last you know couple of years. And that's the, one of those is the solo 401k because a solo 401k allows you to create your own company. And by creating your own company, you can become the sole employee of that company and then create your own 401k. So when you have money that comes in from your, your freelance gigs or whatever else you have going on, you can channel that through your company. Your company then contributes your own 401k. You get to direct all of the funds of the 401k, control it all yourself, invest in whatever you like. And it's all with pre-tax dollars. You can even loan yourself back money for you to use for your personal expenses. Um, so it doesn't even hurt your cash flow. Overall, what I've seen investors really take advantage of this. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 10 Ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year in tax savings for people that max this out, and we think overall that probably helps investor returns. I'm using it. I'm investing with pre-tax dollars to make about a twenty to thirty percent jump. And how? How? What's their you know ROI on their investments? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with. Indeed, if you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Wow. So, and you said there's a, there's a limit on that, like it's 55,000 or what exactly did you say about that? Yeah, that's right. You're limited that your 401k contributions are limited to about $55,000 each year. Each year. So it can keep building on itself. Yeah. Every year, right. You can max out your contributions that you do that loan yourself back, you know, some loan yourself back half of what you contribute to it. So you keep your cash flow strong and then mate and you can use the other half to invest in. Right. So a lot of people are using that to invest in real estate or anything else that they want to build for the long-term retirement. Mm -hmm. Or what you can also do is loan money to like your friend. It's not a family member. Mm -hmm. It's not related to you. You can even make those private loans to people. So, you know, one of the things that I've seen people do is say, well, what if I have a friend named Bob, he's maxing out his solo for, 1k and i maxed out my solo 401k and what happens if we both just loan each other money <laughs> and now we have fifty five thousand dollars in pre-tax you know pre-tax money for us to use for our cash flows which keeps our business running strong and us running strong and then you know eventually you have to pay that stuff back right but the name of the game when you're getting into investing or real estate or building your business is how do you keep cash flows strong because that's what really keeps you in the game mm. and playing the game at a high level is that what you look for in all your real estate investments I look for a lot of different things. I personally don't like buying assets that don't perform on day one, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they call getting into the deal at the right time is making sure that that's going to work. So that way I'm not stuck with something like like land, for example, the have to it doesn't cash flow at all. And if the market turns or anything like that, now you're stuck having to make like a big payment, right? And because my main focus is how can I create value for people through Royal Legal Solutions on making sure that their retirement is secure, that, that they're not going to get hit with a lawsuit and they, they think they leave their job and now they're you know saddled back with having to go to a job because they have a catastrophic loss. Because I've seen people lose over $3 million from a single lawsuit that had insurance, right? Oh my so gosh. we're... We're doing this stuff where it's like, even if your insurance fails, like you have a backup. Like you don't have to depend on anybody. You have control over your own protection and your own life for that. And you need your investments to perform where you get consistent cash flow of them and they're pretty much completely passive if you're an entrepreneur because you need your time to be into the thing that you're needs it the most, has the biggest mm-hmm. impact on other people's lives, which that you're is actually good at. Right. Yeah. That's like, that's the thing that really moves the dial, right? Exactly. That's where you're yep. actually influencing other people. The things that move the money needle in your business is what you need to be spending your time on. And all this other stuff can be done by somebody like you, Scott, or your company, right? Yeah. 100%. Right. And you want to look for those kinds of things. For real estate, we specialize in that because we can put people in a position that says, you then go make the deal that you want to make. You make the money on getting into the right deal. Then you call us up and we take care of everything else for you, moving asset over, making sure all the books are going to run right, making sure all the companies are kept up every year. But I would encourage people to start thinking like, about that in every area of their life and either other entrepreneurs to say like, do you really need to build an in-house team to handle that piece of marketing for you? Or can you go get an agency to do it for you? Mm, Because the more that you can focus on like the one, two or three things that you're amazing at, Mm -hmm. then the bigger and more explosive everything your life is going to become. And and just use other people to help you along the way and don't be afraid to pay them. Yeah. And especially with all like the different services and products and software and socials and all the stuff that's at our disposal today, it's incredible how many tools and resources there are to help you do things to save you money and prevent you from having to go bring out entire, like you said, teams of people to take care of these things in-house. So I think you bring up a really good point there. So before all of this, Scott, like prior to all the investing and the legal and all the stuff that you did, what were you doing back then? Yeah, I was actually a litigator. I was suing insurance companies and finding out that insurance companies were really in the business of collecting premiums and denying coverage. And that was, and we were, (laughs) yeah, right? It's like, oh, fancy that, that they're in it. And then I was starting to, you know, suing all these. I just saw it over and over again where insurance companies would deny legitimate claims. So we had to, you know, think about it. You hire an insurance company, you have finally have a claim after all these years of not having anything, then they deny it. And then you have to end up suing your own insurance company to get them to pay out, right? And I was the attorney representing those people doing that. And I said, man, this is crazy. And I was like, this is great to be able to help these people. And eventually I just kind of burned out on litigation because it's just a really rough business to be in. So then I went back to my love of real estate. Just coming to help investors, I realized that people didn't really know what are the absolute best ways and best practices for how to do your insurance and your banking and your your bookkeeping and what type of entity structures you should you be using how's it relate to your estate plan like the whole holistic look at what does it take to actually generate you know I want real estate investing to be a big part of my life and how does that need to relate with all the other parts of my life and that's really what kind of separated out what I did from what other people did is because some 
other people had like a piece of the puzzle and I assembled yeah. all of the pieces together. So you say you went back to your love of real estate. Does that mean you were doing real estate before or was it just always something intriguing to you? Yeah, I actually bought my first property while I was in law school. And it's a transmission auto repair shop and we were literally gotcha. putting back up the walls while we were doing it. And I'm, I mean, I got into it originally because of, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's, you know. Oh, books, okay, yeah, right? yeah. So I just loved it. From doing that, you know, we were able to flip those properties and I was able to graduate out of law school with no debt. Oh, no way, wow. So, I mean, there's not much more the love that you can get for something than something that takes your debt away. I was going to say, I know a few people with uh, very big lingering debt problems from law school. Yeah. So that definitely would be something that would be bringing you back into that line of work eventually, I'm sure. So now you do a lot of real estate investing. Tell me about what you do. Like what deals are you looking for? Are you looking to buy and hold, to flip, to wholesale? Are you looking for everything? What exactly does your portfolio look like now? Yeah, so I'm I'm personally invested in over 10 different states at any given time and just about every asset class. And the reason why is because I've had to consult clients all over the country that own assets all over the country. They live all over the country and all different types of assets. So it's really given me this really diverse experience and practical experience with it. And also being able to sniff out good deals that my own clients run under run by me, right? right. Say, hey, check this out. And then when it's really good, I'm like, all right, well, let me put some of my own money in this thing if that's okay. Because that looks like a hell of a good deal. So it's given me kind of like that unique perspective into it. And, you know, it really all comes down to that you need to have the background of saying, how does this actually work in practical terms, what it means to be a real estate investor, and then some of the higher level knowledge of the professional knowledge that comes in with being an attorney just allows me to be able to do that and also help my clients with it. So it's great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Number one, best thing about real estate investing, go. Number one thing is that you can, there's no barriers to it, really, right? There's, yeah. there's only artificial barriers. And those are the ones that, that people are going to set up for themselves. In their mind, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all in mind. And that's like with real estate nerds, like my podcast, we go in, it's always about, you know, investors and their best and worst deals and what they did or didn't do that led them there, right? And, and 100% of that is about mindset. Yeah, you know, yeah, and what it relates and a strong mindset, man. I've seen guys that lost like thirty million dollars, and within two years they bounce back because their mindset. Thirty million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah two thousand eight. Rod Cleef lost over $30 million. $30 million. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, but he's like, he bounces back really fast, right? And right. he's like, yeah, you know, it takes a minute. It's not pretty when it does. I'm stronger for it. But it's because of the power of the mindset that these guys are able to just, you know, that are really popular, right? They can right. flop yeah. horribly and then totally be fine. I was like, man, you know, if that's happened to anybody else, you know, they'd say, oh, this, you should. that's why you should have never got into real estate, you know? Right. They're like, nah, you just keep going. You know, you make the best decisions you can in life and you just keep going and that's how you win. Yeah. What do you think is one of the biggest limiting beliefs that people have around it? In real estate, I'd probably say the biggest limiting belief that you have is that there's too risky. Mm-hmm. And that what we kind of find time and time again is that no, almost no matter what deal you get into, unless it's just totally wrong, right? And you just had no context at all with what you were doing, is that given enough time, that deal is going to turn out to be okay. So I personally think what really happens with a lot of people is if they really to get in trouble is that they shoot for way, you know, they got, they started doing single family homes and then said, Hey, you know what I want to do next is an 80 unit apartment complex. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm not going to JV with anybody or have any mentors in it. Okay. Well, that's obviously too strong. But that's definitely the limiting belief is like, Oh, you know, it's what if it goes wrong and it really can't go that wrong. What about the, I need money to get started one. Have you heard that one a lot? Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's probably true for everybody. Even entrepreneurs, I know they they always think, oh, you know, I need this to get started. I need that to get started. You know, I think all of that is just, it's really good excuses to keep yourself from doing something. Because you can get into a deal for people with just going out and scoping deals and finding what like a good deal looks like and then going to other people that have money. I mean, there's, it's mainly about like, do you want to work? You know? (laughs) Do you want to work or do you don't you want to work? Because if you don't want to work, real estate's really bad. Right. Well, like, you definitely have to have money that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to have a ton of money to do yeah. it. And then you're probably going to not do so well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you don't want to work, you're going to have to give money to somebody who is willing to work. You know, right. like you can't just like not have money and not work and not have knowledge and just make a bunch of money. You know, like people yeah. always want like the golden ticket, right? Like the magical thing that's going to make them a ton of money. And it's just like, no, no, no. If you like really want to, you can figure it out. You just have to really want to go do it. And then you have to actually take action and go do it. But yeah, totally, totally agree with that. So 
moving forward, man, what, what, tell me about the podcasting experience. How's that been for you so far? What made you start it? And what's been your number one biggest takeaway from it? Yeah, the Real Estate Nerds podcast was started by about wanting to have conversations with investors that weren't about... And, and business people that weren't about like the actual deal itself. Like That's okay. really freaking boring to talk about like it's this ROI and blah, 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 like you're reading out a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. What's really sexy is to actually talk about how do we actually think about what's going on with deals? Like what is actually going on in my life that led me to have like that experience or not? And then have a reference point that everybody can check into by listening to the show and be able to say like, oh, this is just like when Travis got into this deal that went sideways to him. Like I'm seeing the same type of predecessors to me going down the same path right now. Because oftentimes like in life, most everything can be solved with just simple awareness. Right. Like most of the problems that we have are always associated with not even being aware that it even exists or being aware that we're even in danger, right? And mm-hmm. the moment that we're aware, like all of us are smart enough to figure out how to get out of it. But it's just having awareness. And, and to, to have good awareness, you need to know the stories. And that's where like you're strong, like your network becomes very strong for you. And the stories that you listen to from other investors become the reference point for you to check in, you know, when you're living it to say like, what is the story I'm living right now? And whose other story is like mine? So I can know, you know, am I on the right path or not? Right. Right. You talked about a little bit networking there. We'll definitely get into that conversation a little bit later. We've been saving that one for last. And then uh, we'll also talk about some more tax uh, strategies and stuff like that. But to continue along the real estate vein, what are your thoughts on owning the house that you live in versus renting the house that you live in? Yeah, I think it really depends on where you live and what that financial you know situation looks like for you. I've seen some people that were able to do some like we're able to rent houses drastically under what they should be rented for. And in that sense, like it made a lot of sense, right? Because I was like, okay, well, you get to live there and you got it at like half of what the market rent should be. Mm-hmm. But for most people that I see, it's really a good idea to rent. I mean, to, to buy the place, you know, as for your first property that you want to use for your investment property. And then and that's a good way to just start, you know, learning what it's like to be a real estate investor, what it's like to actually live in the houses and to work on them. And then to be smart about thinking like, hey, I'm living here and I'm working on this property to use it as my first stepping stone to have a have a rental. So long answer short, basically it depends on the deal. Yeah, right. But that's a horrible answer, right? But you know, like, yeah, it really depends, you know, like, right, that's right. very helpful. But yeah. <laughs> but it does, though. It does. Like, I, I, I tend to be in the rent where you live and then own where you can cash flow boat most of the time. But again, if, if there's a deal on the table to buy a property that is a really good deal that you know will cash flow you, even if you leave the house, then it might be a good idea to pick that up because you can jump into a FHA loan. And if you're a first-time buyer, you might be able to get the zero down FHA first-time buyer home loans and stuff, but you can for sure get it for 3.5% down instead of 20% down on a conventional loan. So that, I think that there's some advantages to that. And especially if you're first, if you have not bought anything, getting into like a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex or something like that, that would still be something that you can use as your primary residence and being able to pick something up like that for that small amount of a down payment, like that'll for sure cash flow you after you leave the property might be a really good idea, you know? But uh, yeah, I think it depends is probably the all covering answer. But uh, yeah, there's there's some good caveats to there that we could definitely talk about. Yeah. And for sure, right? It's like, this is where it becomes really important to have a mentor and somebody that you trust. Right, oh, right. People that you trust to be able to ask, like, what does your scenario look like? Yeah. And what yeah, look at this deal for me. Yeah. planning. Yeah, exactly. And like, look at like my five year plan of like what it is I'm trying to create and does that make sense? Exactly. Because that's where experience really pays off. And you can usually probably get that for like a cup of coffee. Right. Because that's the biggest thing too is like, what is your five year plan? What does it look like? You know, that's one reason that I don't buy the house I live in anymore. We, my wife and I did that one time. And I'm just so you know, and people listening, I'm a pretty mobile guy. I like to be able to move where opportunity is. I like to be able to just pick up and like, if I got to move to a different state or move to a different city, like I'm down to do it or move to a different place and in the same city, but maybe it's a better opportunity. Like I'm down to do it. I'm not really emotionally attached to things. I, I just do it for the opportunity. Right. So for me, it doesn't really make sense because the last time I did that, we bought a property and now it's a, a house that we still have that we are renting out. But the, I didn't, when we bought it, we bought it to live in. But then, like seven months after we bought it, my wife's dad ended up passing away and we moved back to where we 
grew up to kind of be around family for a while, but uh, we hadn't appreciated on that house enough to make it make sense to sell it at the time. So we put a tenant in there. And now here we are like two years later, still sitting on the house because it's still not the greatest time to sell. And we have a tenant in there that barely covers our rent. And like in the end, will we make some money on it? Yeah, of course. But uh, would that money maybe have served me better in my bank account, helping me like actively invest in other things? Probably. So I think that you're totally right. It 100% depends on the situation that you're in. And it and sitting down with somebody that actually knows the market in your area, that knows about real estate and investing in general, and then being able to extract some different answers from you on what your long-term and short-term goals are for you and your family would be a very useful exercise if you're trying to figure out if you should buy a house or rent. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and usually that comes down into like the three legs of the stool too of what you want to do and contacting an attorney, a CPA, and then somebody else that, you know, like your reference person that's going to know whether that's actually like a good deal or not. This is typically who we say is like, who's on your dream team for real estate investing is somebody who can save you money on the taxes, can tell you how you need to structure the deals correctly to protect yourself and make sure your asset is protected. And then you know, are you actually getting into a, a good deal or not? Mm-hmm. Where are you at these days, Scott? Where do you live? Yeah, I'm in Austin, uh, Texas. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, great. We actually have ACL going on uh, starting today, which is one of the largest music festivals in the country. And I happen to live three blocks away from it. So, oh, no way. It'll be a very noisy weekend. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Austin's like the Santa Monica of Texas. <laughs> it's like <laughs> transplanting Santa Monica Beach into the middle of Texas somewhere. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny, man. You get all of California, it feels like moving out here. Isn't it like the fastest growing city in the country right now or top three anyway or something like that? It's got to be, man. The number of people that come in here is, is incredible. Like what it's done to housing prices has been tremendous in terms of rent and stuff because everybody that's, you know, it, it turned hot and trendy, right? And so then everybody wanted to move here where they were moving from. Housing prices were double. So people were paying ask for 20, 30, 40, $50,000 over ask for real estate consistently for like over a year. People wow. were doing it. And that was the place to be a couple of years ago then, huh? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, like only if I would have gotten to it sooner, right? Like how many times? It's always twenty twenty. Yeah. If I had the crystal ball, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know that I find that's happening with a few people right now, especially some of the real estate investors that I know. Um, everybody's trying to time the market because there seems to be a, a correction that's right around the corner. I mean, we're due for one anyway, so it's for sure going to come at some point. But everybody's trying to speculate when and stuff. And I was having this conversation with somebody recently because they're talking about selling off all their properties while the market's still high. And then talking about how they don't want to miss out on some potential gains if we still have like, if this, what's happening right now is just like a little bit of a soft correction and it'll keep going up for the next couple of years. They're like, I don't want to sell too soon. I was like, well, but the bottom line is this, you're never going to time it perfectly. Like you will lose money one way or the other. Like you'll sell too soon or you'll sell too late. There's no like perfect time. And if there is, that's just luck. It's just blind luck. So sometimes you just have to be okay with like not taking as much of a gain. I was going to say taking a loss, but it's not really a loss. It's just not taking as much of a gain as you would have been taking. Would you agree or disagree with that? Would you be able to talk into that at all? Yeah, man. That's it, crazy talk to think that you're going to perfectly time markets. Like nobody's ever been, nobody can ever do that, right? It actually shows about like an immaturity as an investor. Mm. Because what you're what you've said is that like your goal is is like I want to maximize my return on investment from mm-hmm. every transaction. And that makes a lot of sense until you realize that it, the information that you would need to do that, nobody's ever been able to do that correctly like right. in the history of investing. So really, you need to redefine what your goals are as an investor. If your goals are an investor is say, hey, you know, I want to create consistent returns over time because I want a bigger why in my life about like, I want to leave my job so I can do professional kite surfing or just fly kites. I mean, I don't know, whatever you're into. Yeah. yeah. Then you need to figure that out and know what you're going to do with that. That being said, like if you think a big recession is coming, then probably you can look at asset classes that perform really well when like recessions happen and learn what those asset classes are like, right? So like self-storage would be an example when people have to downsize their homes, but they don't want to get rid of their stuff. And so they'll go into self-storage and then they'll say, okay, well, now that I'm in self-storage, that's an asset class that works really well, that's in a recession economy, but I can also still make good gains here because I'm just going to learn how to do the self-storage active business part better and find like the stress self-storage places that aren't really well run as a business. And then I'll start doing that, right? So there's plays to be made here. It's just you have to start making a decision on what do I think is going to happen and how, what am I going to actually do 
given that decision of what I think is going to happen. Instead of just playing like the guessing game of like, maybe it will, maybe it won't. All that's going to do is just be like a mental, uh, game that you're playing with yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think I knew where you were going with that. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with everything that you were just saying right there. That's one thing that I've been talking about a lot recently because so my generation has not experienced a recession time since we've been working. You know what I mean? Like I, when I, I graduated high school in 2010. So I like, as soon as I started working when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, it was while the economy was going up. I don't really know what it's like to be working and making a living when everybody around you is losing a bunch of things and people are shutting down businesses and houses are going into foreclosure and all that kind of stuff is happening. Can you talk about a couple of things that people like me that are in my position, like a lot of listeners on this show, would be able to do to set themselves up financially and also mentally for that kind of a time? Yeah, I would say the number one thing to do is actually learn how to do something that's really useful, right? Yes. So like the number one thing to like, if you want to know how to like recession proof your income, it's like learn how to do, I mean, I don't know, like you don't have to become like a plumber or electrician or something like that, but just learn how to do something that's actually like an active trade. That's because those valuable people, skill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, learn a valuable skill, right? Like become a something. Right, like not a college graduate with a business degree. That's not useful right, for like right. a particular thing. Right. Second thing I would say to do is, is for entrepreneurs, business owners, real estate investors, etc., is to you know structure your assets into LLC structures with anonymity. Right. Whether that's going to be an LLC or series LLC, you know, combination of trust to just make sure all of your wealth is really well protected behind these protection structures. And the reason I say that is because in downturn economies, this is when you have lawsuits that will spike, frivolous lawsuits, because everybody is trying to make money any way they can, right? So now people are just starting to file stuff all over the place. And there's the sharky attorneys that you see on TV that are willing to take people's money to be able to do it or just get paid on commission if they win. And if you're not protected, then all of a sudden you can find yourself being like, okay, but then something you can't even control, like somebody suing you just comes out of the woodwork. Yeah, like somebody right? slipping on the concrete by your house or something stupid like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you just never know like how those things are going to play out. Right. So a lot of people don't think about that when they think about recessions, but that's actually one of the things you can proactively put in place to just control that entire risk. But then, but, you know, skill up now, like on, on having an actual skill that you can do, I'd say is probably the best thing. Most people are concerned about income, you know, yeah, for job, yeah. right? But you need to worry about where your income is going to come from and all of your assets. Because like, mm-hmm. imagine how bad it is if you lose your job and you get hit with something that makes you lose your money. Right, right. You just want your safety net, right? Exactly, exactly. That I think is the bottom line is start with the fact that the knowledge that it's going to happen is very key because I think a lot of people just like are in this blissful state of everything's okay, I'm making money and blah, blah, blah. And uh, you don't realize that soon that's not going to be as easy. It's not going to be as easy to make the sale to the homeowner that's like worried about losing their house next week. It's not going to be easy to make as much money during that time. So realize that now and start storing away the nuts for winter, you know, so to speak. And so going back into the, the taxes thing that you're talking about or the, the LLCs thing for asset protection, let's kind of talk a little bit of more about taxes and asset protection, all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's something that we definitely need to cover while you're on the show. It's such an important part of business. But like I said, it's the boring part that nobody wants to talk about because it's annoying to realize that the government's taking any of your hard-earned money, let alone like a majority of it uh, most of the time. And I know that there's different things and different strategies to help us avoid some of those things. One of the things that uh, I feel like now people know about is an LLC that reports or that files as an S-Corp. Can you talk into why that would be something that it would be interesting for some people? Yeah. So what you want to do for most people's businesses, if you're just like a you know solo entrepreneur or freelancer, is just form up an LLC. So that way you can form it up in Texas, Delaware, Nevada, Wyoming. Those have the strongest asset protection laws. Meaning that if somebody sues you, they can't take your interest in the LLC. And then what you'll do is elect for an S-Corp tax treatment, which means that you have to file a separate return for your LLC now, which is okay, right? That's really not too bad. You can probably do that like on your own. But what you get to do then is pay yourself as an employee, which means you avoid self-employment tax, which is a huge benefit to you. It sells you about 15.3% per year on the self-employment tax. That's a monster benefit. A lot of people just don't take advantage of it all. And you would use that company for all of your active operations. So that would be like anytime you're 
entering into contracts with people or hiring contractors or collecting loans, being a landlord or whatever that would be in the outside world, that company will do everything, but it shouldn't own anything. All of your assets themselves and all the assets of your companies should all be owned by a completely separate entity that it doesn't have any direct affiliation with your operating company. And the reason you do that is because your operating company is the one that's going to be sued because it's the one that's interacting with everything in the outside world. But all of your assets can stay protected in series LLC or or an LLC. And thereby, if somebody sues you or somebody sues your business, they can't touch anything that you guys own. You don't own anything actually in it. So really, they can't really harm you at all. So you say, so you have the operating LLC and then you have multiple LLCs that protect all of your assets. Would this be, if you have multiple income properties or something like that, would you recommend having separate LLCs for each of them or one LLC that holds title to all of those? Yeah, you want to actually do one series LLC that's owned by an anonymous trust. That way you can own your company anonymously. And with the series LLC, you can create for free an infinite number of child LLCs underneath it. It's very much like a parent-child structure. So you get an infinitely scalable company that does at no additional cost. And then you compartmentalize one asset or one piece of real estate in each individual child series. You can form them up in Texas or Delaware or Nevada, and you can use them anywhere in the United States, just like people have been using. Delaware LLCs, you know, formed in Delaware and used everywhere. So that's really your best option if you have multiple assets is one series LLC because it allows you one bank account, one EIN number, one tax return, um, really simplifies everything down while giving you this infinite scalability and protections and really low ongoing costs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is that a different setup cost than a traditional LLC or what does that look like? Yeah, it really depends, right? I've seen, you know, LLCs is cheap on LegalZoom for like 300 bucks and some of the most advanced, you know, series LLC structures with all the anonymity and everything put in place from some providers be up to, you know, 5000 or $6,000. You know, we price everything to be value priced. And that's like a package of services that we do along with, you know, estate planning, along with 401ks, because we're looking at being a resource for people that is like a holistic solution for everything they have going on in their life. And then, you know, what options, what scalable packages make sense for people. But there's a whole range of what people charge for all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. There's such a... Obviously, you could literally talk about that topic for hours on hours and hours, days on days on days. So if it's something that you are interested in learning more about, I highly recommend reaching out to Scott. We'll give his contact information here at the end of the show. So stay tuned. We are going to chat a little bit now, Scott, about networking and uh, how this skill, this practice has helped you in your career. So I have to ask you this question to get the conversation started. Who you know or what you know, Scott? Which one? more important and why who you know for sure because who you know is what you know mm-hmm. like you what you know is like what you could read out of a like a book or online or whatnot is actually a much worse source of information than mm-hmm. if you can know actually somebody who's engaged in the same type of business or endeavor that you're in that's already gone through the problems before and then like that conversation totally buoys you up to be so much faster like i can't tell you how much money i probably wasted in running Royal Legal Solutions from figuring stuff out on my own. Even though like at the end of the day, I was able to personally discover my own what are like the, some of the top you know, marketing, branding, real estate strategies that it can exist. But I had to struggle and spend a lot of money figuring it all out. When if I just would have done a better job of networking and finding more brilliant people to talk to, I would have just liked I would have jumped all the way ahead, saved myself a bunch of time, a bunch of effort and a bunch of money and just would have had to go through the pain, frankly, of you know kissing a bunch of toads along the way. Right, but, right. but eating that pain, I would have saved myself a bunch of time and money. I just, in a way, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I got lazy or something. I don't know. But, but I should have done way more networking. I should be doing more networking even now. Yeah. Uh, well, I, th- I think you nailed it when you said it'll help you get there so much faster and it'll help you skip rungs on the ladder, right? That's the biggest thing that I always come back to is I get people on the show that'll be like, oh, it's what you know. I have people that say a variation of both of them or a combination or it's who knows you, all like all the different variations of the answer to that question. I always come back to the who you know thing because of exactly what you just said, because it always will get you there faster than trying to just learn the knowledge. Like there's the knowledge is available for everybody, which means that everybody's on an equal playing field when it comes to having access to the knowledge. But if you have access to the people, then you can get the knowledge way faster and get the opportunity way faster. Like somewhere, somebody is doing something that you are more qualified to do than they are, but they're doing it because they knew the right person. 
Yeah. I mean, I can understand that. Like that's, I think that's probably like a good argument in terms of like scarcity of like how much does it help you to do it? Because like they, you knew the right people because you were networked into it. I think a lot of that would just happen inherently though. I think the hardest part for a lot of people actually is that we don't really want to go up and talk to a bunch of people we don't know because it kind of sucks. And then most people that we do meet, they also kind of suck. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's be honest, right? Like Like, you don't vibe with that. You're not going to like. And you're going to be like, wow, they're not very smart or they really can't help me at all. Or they just kind of overall suck as a person. And then it's hard to go back and be like, all right, cool. Well, you know what? Like, I'm going to go through nine of those conversations to have one good one. That is 100% not how we're wired in our culture to think like, I'm going to eat, keep eating medicine after medicine after medicine because the one I did get really worked out. Like we're actually wired to have like consistent positive results immediately, right? And that's bred into us like from the time we've been in school as right. a kid. I mean, so it's, you really got to rethink like where does your reward system come from whenever you're out there meeting people and being like, man, this is horrible. I can't believe I'm doing this to be like, you know what, actually this is good because I need to get through so many of these conversations so I can find the really good people that can actually really help me and give me dynamic benefits to my life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I would say one thing on, on that as well, I'd add one caveat to what you were just saying, because I understand what you're talking about. I, now that I've been doing this for a while and changed my mindset around it, I now find that I like most people that I connect with and I make the most out of every connection that I get now just from a simple shift in mindset that happened when you know I first started learning about all this stuff and started the show and jumped into the content and all that kind of stuff was that like you're always going to get more of what you believe to exist, right? So something called confirmation bias. So for most people they have that mindset of what you were saying they had the mindset of, Scott, which is like, they think of it as like, man, most of the people that I meet, I don't even like them anyway. Why am I spending my time doing this? I'm not going to vibe with them. Like maybe they're cool to somebody else. I don't really like them. Uh, they're doing something that I don't agree with, whatever. Like, And they look for all the reasons why it's not going to work. And so what happens is they get out there and that confirmation bias sets in and psychologically they'll always find those people that they disagree with, that they dislike, that they don't gravitate towards because that's what they're thinking is the only thing is out there. But once you change that mindset to thinking like, man, everybody's got something that I can learn from. Like everybody that I meet, there's got to be something that I can learn from. Even if it's just like, now I know how not to start a conversation with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like now I know what to tell somebody when they ask me what's annoying because that person just threw a business card at me and gave me a 30 second elevator pitch, didn't give me a chance to talk, moved on to the next person. I did not like that experience at all. Next time somebody asks me what's annoying when I go to a networking situation, I'll have an answer for them. Like you can learn anything from any situation and you can always connect with people and learn something from that person, regardless of what their background is or what your background is, or if you used to think that they would be useful to you or not. And then the best thing to think about it is like, just shifting the mindset from what can I get out of these conversations to what can I give to these conversations. I think those two mindset shifts will help people in general get away from thinking that like, hey, the majority of people, I don't really want to connect with anyway. Yeah, I mean, probably, right? I mean, I would think that if you can shift your mindset around, like that's pretty cool. I've just never really been good at Jedi mind tricking myself by being like, you will enjoy it. You know? <laughs> and then like being like, that'll be great, right? One thing that did actually uh, give me a positive impact was actually trying to pretend like I was going to enjoy every interaction, you know, right? That I got mm-hmm. into and just very much approached it as just saying like, all right, uh, I'm going to try to not have much of an expectation of this at all, right. but I'm just going to go up to that person and see if I can connect with them. Like, can we can just something people? Right. And because I really don't like to do business with people that I don't like, you know, mm-hmm. like exactly. maybe that's, that's whatever. Right. So it was really just came down saying like, who can I actually connect with? And then after I could figure out, can I actually connect with this person? Then I would, we would find things that we could help each other with, you know, as we had had that. Right. So that is the whole point, man. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. What you just said, that's the whole point of the show is to get people to stop thinking about networking and relationship building as two different things, like two separate things, because I don't think that they're separate. And I think that most people think that they're separate. They're like, well, I'm going to this event to go network. And then I'm going to the bar later with my friends to like have fun and build relationship with them further. You know what I mean? Like that's how they think about it in their mind. And I don't think the two are separate. I think that they're the same thing. And if you're doing them separate, then that's when you're getting bad experiences. That's when you're going to the business networking opportunity. And like you just said, like people aren't doing what you're doing. They're not getting to know each other first. They're just throwing business cards at each other and trying to get referral business and trying to add dollars to their bank account instead of looking at the other person as a person, connecting with them on an actual individual basis developing some sort of a relationship where you actually know, like, and trust the person. And then you can actually do business in the future, potentially. But 
the fact that that's so up in the air, I think hurts most people and prevents them from trying to go out and make it happen to begin with. Yeah. And if you just approach networking that you're just trying to connect with people, I think you'll overall just probably be healthier because you'll just end up like making more friendships of people <laughs> that you want to spend time with. And like we yeah, live exactly. in such an isolated world that, you know, maybe like, even if you just kind of like said, I'm not even going to care whether whether really this has like the business outcome that I want or not, but I just want to go in there and see who I connect with and see who I find interesting to mm-hmm. spend time with and talking to. And they all happen to be kind of in the same vein of the thing that I'm trying to work on in my life. Like probably don't go if you're trying to build a real estate business, don't go to like artist networking. Like right. That's and look for connections out there to actually help you. But if you just like focus on making connections with people and just actually like one-on-one connecting, you know, like those heart-centered connections that you can form with people relatively quickly if you're just open to it, you know, you'll probably just be like overall a happier person anyway. Um, yeah. And there's like no pressure anymore. You know, like, yeah. like you, you don't feel you're like you're just you trying to, to chill. Business. Cool with somebody. Yeah. Like, you exactly. don't have an outcome. There's no winning to that, right? Exactly. Which, there's just like, was I present? Is like whether like you win or not. Is like, was I able to stay present in the conversation and not try to like force it by you know pushing towards a particular agenda? Because we all feel that stuff. Nobody right. wants to be around anybody that's pushing an agenda. You'll find also too with taking that approach is that at least I have. I found with taking that kind of approach that it was much more powerful in terms of the how much people were willing to help me. Right. Because mm, after yeah. if I spent the time to just connect with them first, and then I'd ask them like, "Hey, do you know anybody that can help me with blah 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 blah?" They would like start thinking through all of their contacts or like anybody else is in the room and excited to CC me into emails with all of their network. And right. so then it's like the spiral effect that actually comes really strong because I just took the time to connect with that person, and then because I connected with them, they're willing to give me a ton of stuff because guess what? That person probably doesn't feel very loved and connected themselves, and is really excited that somebody else spent the time to actually connect with them for a minute. And so then they'll just give you whatever you want mm-hmm. because you took the time to do it. So like maybe that's itself. It's like a currency, you know, that you yep. can give to other people. I don't yeah. know. No, that's exactly right. Like, because you, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said you like to do business with people that you like. That's the same, like everybody, everybody's like that. Everybody wants to give business to people that they like. So if you're the kind of guy that just goes up to people and throws a business card in their face, you don't give anybody an opportunity to get to know you and like you or dislike you. But that act in and of itself is probably enough to get them to dislike you instead of like you. So they're definitely like when they have a a real estate referral to give, they're probably going to give it to their cousin, Sally, that's a real estate agent because they know Sally and they like Sally. You may be better than Sally. You may have done way more transactions and know way more about real estate and can get that seller way more for their property or whatever it might be, but you're not going to get the business because you didn't take the time to actually just get to know somebody and build a real relationship. So Scott, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show today. Let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Yeah. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt. I'd love to be a heart surgeon because I feel like playing God with somebody's life sounds pretty exciting. But you know, whatever. <laughs> that does sound thrilling. Can you imagine anything more thrilling than that? Like you're like, no, I tell you what. I told my wife there's zero chance I could do that. I was like, like no. Yeah. No, that's way too much pressure. Yeah. Like imagine any other scenario besides like a formal hospital with like all this other stuff where like anybody would be like, hey bro, I got a sweet idea. Lay down on your kitchen table. I'm gonna take this knife. I'm gonna cut your chest open. I'm gonna rip yeah. out your heart. Throw in this other one. Sew you back up. You're gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally like no, absolutely not. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I had to, literally, I told my wife that I was like, if there's a job in the world that I couldn't do it would be like something intense surgery like that because I would just be so much pressure. Like, not that I couldn't physically do it, but like mentally I'd be like, uh, this is way too much pressure for me. Plus, I feel like if you're good at that job, you can never actually retire because people would be like, how could you retire when people are dying with this condition and you could go out and help them and you're just watching TV in the Caribbean all day and it'd be like, well chill. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but anyway, I'd okay. Like, how, how many starving children did you save in Africa? Uh, yeah. like, holy night over yeah, here. Exactly. Saving the world. Yeah, whatever, bro. <laughs> All right. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I would probably want to sit on the bench with 
I think somebody like Tony Robbins would actually be really interesting. And mainly because like Tony built like this amazing business, right? And he built it around, you know, fundamentally centered on helping people. And I'm kind of fascinated by his ability to be so actively engaged and doing so much training with like the public, even though he absolutely doesn't need to anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, that's a really cool piece to build where it's like you build wealth, you build high impact and you build like a job that you actually just thrive in doing yeah. every day. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like at this point, it's definitely mission driven for sure. Yeah. But like I was like, that's cool, man. Like you harnessed your mission, like, yeah. and you've like, you live it. And I was like, that's a sexy thing to do in this world. How do you like to consume content, books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? I like to do podcasts and I also much more enjoy actually listening to presentations and then talking to the presenter afterwards and having a time to like actually question them. I tend to learn the fastest that way. What's one of your favorite podcasts? Joe Rogan podcast. Mm, That's just because that's the inner bro in me. Classic. Yeah. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I wake up at 4.45, uh, protein shake, read, stretch, go box, then get to work. What is your go-to pump-up song? Uh, Eye of the Tiger, definitely. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. classic, man. You're picking, yeah. you're picking some of the classics, man. Just, I did, I am. Just I'm a classic, classic guy. guy. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> what is something that you are just not very good at? I'm not very good at walking slowly. I would say it's probably my, <laughs> that's probably my, my biggest thing that I'm not good at. I've always, like, I went to, I've always been like a hiker and really been into sports and I'm just not patient enough to like walk with people when they want to walk like super slow it like literally will start making me shake with like frustration (laughs) Uh, you should meet my wife man because like anytime we get out of the car we're heading to the grocery store i could literally like stop at the car and like she'll be in the store before she realizes that i'm not right behind her yeah that's what's (laughs) up you know that's me me and your wife we're the more the rabbits you know (laughs) tortoise people that we're with you know it's okay As we get everything wrapped up here, man, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? Yeah. So you want to check out the Real Estate Nerds podcast. That's going to be on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, you can check out the royallegalsolutions.com website. We're going to have a bunch of free info on there for you guys about you know asset protection, about real estate, everything about the solo 401ks, estate planning, everything. We actually have a special promo link. It's the royallegalsolutions.com slash build your network. That's going to have like a bunch of free giveaways through it. You get a free report about asset protection, about building your business, about you know how we're going to be doing a lot of the topics that we talked about here today. Or anybody can email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, at royallegalsolutions.com or drop us a line on our phone, uh, 512-757-3994. Perfect. So to connect with Scott, definitely check out his podcast and uh, go to royallegalsolutions.com slash build your network to pick up some of those free tools and resources. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. I had a blast chatting with you. Yeah, awesome, Travis. Thanks, man. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show because they're literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is something that you are interested in at all, then hit me up and let's chat to see if you'd be a good fit for my mastermind, Build Your Network Dynasty. Just head over to buildyournetwork.co slash dynasty to fill out an application and we'll talk soon. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.